Are you ready to be transported back to 1800s high society London? Because season three of Bridgerton is now playing only on Netflix. This season follows the story of the Tons resident wallflower, Penelope Featherington, as she undergoes a journey of self-discovery and empowerment where we see her truly blossom. Penn's emotional transformation takes centre stage as her friendship with the charming Colin Bridgerton evolves into something more. For those not yet acquainted, Colin, the charming younger brother of the Bridgerton family, is about to turn Penelope's world upside down. Mm, This is the ultimate good friends to lovers story. From those initial butterflies to when both parties realise there might be something more between them, watch Bridgerton Season 3, now playing only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined as always by Melbourne writers Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello. Hello. Coming up on today's show, the most brutal riches to rag story we've read in a very long time. Plus, the future of shoppable shows like Euphoria, an internal crisis on why we give so many fucks about the love lives of teenage TikTokers, and the Hillsong hype priest who ruined his career with an extramarital affair. But first, my beloved, fresh-faced Zara McDonald, how was your week? Week was good. A week was good. I mean, we did get about, I would say, close to 50 DMs about the fact that we may have pronounced Amoeba, <laughs> MOBA. And the best part is I think most of the time with this podcast when we come across a word we don't know how to say, we not only Google what the word is but we just pronounce it and then edit that thing out. But we just didn't give a fuck this time. So this one's to all the people who didn't know how to pronounce Amoeba because we have made the mistake for you. I still don't even know what it is. But also what an obnoxiously spelt word. Like if you want to be pronounced Amoeba – Fucking make your lettering A-M-E-E-B-A. Don't put an O in there that looks like oboe. Are you a little bit flattered that our listeners are so smart that they not (laughs) only know the word amoeba, but they knew exactly what we were trying to say when we said it? Surprisingly, I think we have like quite a strong science community contingent of listeners. And we're happy to have you all. Oh, more than happy to have you. We need you, actually. <laughs> Other thing that happened this week is I obviously launched the Chilometer, not mm. really last week, but I did put my idea out into the world. Thank you once again to the more than 100 people that messaged me <laughs> saying that there was such thing as a Scoville scale. Yes, I knew that. I know that you can measure the rate of chilies, the, the sp- <laughs> what do you call it? Scale. The, the hotness, the sexiness <laughs> of chilies by Scovilles. But if you had listened to the idea, I wanted a human way to measure human consumption of chilies, <laughs> and that didn't make any sense. I just wanted to find a way to measure my own chili threshold. Yes. Well, a couple of listeners did also reach out and be like, have you guys ever heard of Nando's? They literally have that scale when you walk in and everyone knows themselves by their Nando's rating. And I've got to say, I was so arrogant last week. I was like, I can handle chili pretty well. I'm pretty good. I'm like a 70 out of 100. I walk into Nando's and get extra mild or like mild. I've never really used that scale. And also that scale is like not that helpful because 
people like me don't use it. I want a more set way to do this. So anyway, that was my week. I did start watching a really good documentary series that I had wanted to watch for some time, but had been put off by commentary on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And it was The Rise of the Murdoch Dynasty on BBC. You can get it on ABC iView. I had seen some commentary on Twitter after I had initially intended to watch this with people saying, oh, it didn't really tell me anything new. Mm. Just rehashed a lot of the stuff that I already knew. But... I watched this and had my eyes kind of bulging out of my head because I think that we're, I mean, quite young when it comes to the Murnock mm. dynasty and there's so much I didn't know. I did that thing that <laughs> I usually do when I'm Googling documentaries and spoil it for myself. <laughs> do you ever do that? I do that all the time and Mitch hates it. But it's good to know that this is like the amoeba of documentaries for you. That amoeba. you're learning. <laughs> it's amoeba. Don't have a no in there if it's going to be amoeba. So why should we watch it? It's just good. It's good. It's juicy. I mean, also on the backdrop of Kevin Rudd pushing out that petition that was signed mm. by over half a million Australians, myself included, demanding a royal commission into, you know, how much power the Murdoch media has over Australian politics. I think if you want to get a better grasp, not just on the political side of how much political power the family yields, but also about the kind of the internal functions of the family, it's really interesting. As a huge succession fan, the parallels between the two are really fascinating. I have tried so so hard with the succession and I just don't get it. Succession was one of those annoying TV shows that I said to Ollie, like, I, I was like, we have to watch this. He hadn't watched it. So I tried to make him watch it. And <laughs> two episodes in, he's like, nah, nah, I'm not into it. I don't like it. Six months later, he comes back and he's like, oh, and one of his best friends had recommended it. He's like, we've got to watch this show, Succession. And I was like, we tried. You didn't like it. Got back into it and was obsessed with it. Really? So this is proof that nobody listens to my recommendations, even though they're very good. Okay, maybe I need to push past episode two, but from memory, it was pretty boring and pretty blah. It's so good. Anyway, how was your week? My week was okay. I think it's dawned on me yet again that I'm the kind of person, and I think I will always be this kind of person, who just doesn't sort my shit out. Like I would love to be the person who when a problem arises in my life, I get it sorted. Like when my service date for my car arises, I go and get my car serviced. I never do that. Instead, I leave it too long. And another example of this in my life this week is that my wisdom teeth have on again and off again had like a toxic relationship in my mouth where they pop up and then they well, go You away. and everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> They've had a toxic relationship with you and everybody else's mouths. Mouths? <laughs> mouths. But they pop up and then go away. And every time they pop up, I'm like, oh, I should really book that dentist appointment or that like I don't know, surgery to get them taken out. They go away. I forget about it again. This week they have reared their heads again and I'm fucking dying. Like I'm sitting behind this microphone with so much pain in my jaw and it is all self-inflicted because 100%. I refuse to be an adult. Well, this is the thing, right? I think you get a certain amount of sympathy for a certain amount of time until you refuse to sort your shit out. And then it's like, no one no one can give you that sympathy anymore. Like, I know it makes might make me a terrible person, but it's like, I also have a sympathy threshold. It's like, I can't give it to everyone all the time. I hit your sympathy threshold as well because I've complained to you month after month about really bad period pain. It got to the point where I complained about it for one more month. You're like, you haven't gone to the doctor. You're not allowed to complain I'm about it I'm not hearing anymore. this anymore. This is the sixth month in a row I'm hearing the same thing. It's true. I feel like you should be allowed to complain about something for a certain amount of time. <laughs> <laughs> and until you don't change that scenario, and we are obviously talking about small scale things here, not like big things like breakup, <laughs> you, you're not allowed to complain anymore. Do wisdom teeth ever just like self-correct? Like, is there so. a world where I just leave this and I never experience any consequence for my laziness? I don't know. I'm just imagining like the wisdom tooth 
poking up through your gums and then doing like a slight U-turn <laughs> and like avoiding all the other teeth and then, you know, having a, a nice life in your mouth. Just right at the back there. I don't think so. I think they're a ticking time bomb. Okay. Well, that's great. But I- you know what? The science community can tell us. Yes, please. The Amoeba Amoeba fans, please <laughs> come to me and tell me, must I get them taken out or can I take the lazy girl route and let it self-correct? I do have a recommendation for you. What is it? I'm going to try to give Christmas recommendations from now until Christmas Day because it is my favourite time of the year. And I think we need to spread the Christmas cheer in 2020 more than ever. I want everyone to go watch A Moody Christmas, which you have heard me recommend. I was going to say, I I would love the old listeners to work out how many times you've recommended it. I also think I've just come on here and recommended it too. (laughs) I think this is like the most recommended thing on Shameless, but I back this 100%. And not just the most recommended. Annoyingly, it's one of the most difficult because I tried to find where you can go watch this and I believe you can currently watch it on Amazon Prime but a moody Christmas is like a little bit free with where they want to go they've had a like a little stint with each of the streaming platforms we're on ABC Ivy we're on Netflix for a bit we're on Stan I think now they've moved to Amazon Prime <laughs> it's the fickle series if I've ever heard it you're so right because I'm pretty sure a moody Christmas for those who don't know what it is it is like I reckon the best Australian comedy yes ever yes I think so and especially <laughs> around Christmas time because it puts you in the best mood I cackle watching that show mm. but every Christmas I get the sense that I have to go somewhere different to find it it's so weird how yeah. it just doesn't stick to one platform it's got commitment issues yes it does check in with the one Australian family it's a drama it's all fictional but checks in with the one fictional family every year at Christmas to see how their lives have changed it is fucking amazing like I will I don't have any time if you don't like that I can't be your friend I can't associate with you it is the best show ever maybe Shit's Creek fans should tell us if they like a moody Christmas and then we can jump on their bandwagon I actually think there would be like, a, like overlap between the two really I'm actually sitting here having like a small a sly smile at remembering that certain parts of <laughs> that show (laughs) I can't wait to start again there are six episodes I think so I kind of want to savor them maybe I'll do one every week until Christmas maybe we should start a moody Christmas recap podcast given we are the biggest fans ever we just recap an episode you should just see my face then I was like it's not a bad idea before we start making big plans publicly, which we have no intention of ever fulfilling, we do want to talk about Christmas a little bit more because we have just launched our Christmas gift guide for 2020. Absolutely. Zara, this was a conversation you and I had back in September. We were sitting in a meeting thinking 2020 has been fucked for everyone, particularly small business owners. The pandemic has ravaged small business. So we thought, okay, what's one small way we can kind of, I guess, harness our audience for good? We collated our very, very fast favorite small businesses around the country to put together your go-to guide for feel-good Christmas shopping. Yeah, so you would have seen a couple of weeks ago, maybe it was longer than that now, we did put a call out for submissions about small businesses, businesses that we hadn't heard of, and we've sort of kind of sifted through them, put the ones that often came up the most in a gift guide that is helpfully organized for you. So there are gifts under $50, gifts about the $100 mark, and then gifts over $150. We don't make a cent from this gift guide. I think we should be very clear about (laughs) that we just wanted to invest our time in this project and put it live because as Mish said it's been a really tough year for a lot of people and we thought one very simple thing we could do at Christmas is make your shopping experience easier and hopefully we can kind of help people who are working for themselves and who have had a hard year. Totally we will put the gift guide live on our website today Monday the 16th of November keep an eye on our socials to get a link for that it might not be live when this episode goes up because this goes up at 5am and god (laughs) knows I'm not waking up at (laughs) 5am. 
That's true. And we're recording this on the weekend. So I'm just trying to think who's keeping extra hours of their weekend to send this live. This will be live sometime Monday. Watch this space. <laughs> Zara, we do have a couple of hotline messages today. The first is from listener Bree. Hey, girls. Just want to say thank you so much for everything you do on the podcast. And I wanted to weigh in on the celebrity run-in chat from last week. For everyone who has uh, lost faith in celebrities due to the James Corden whole situation, not to worry, I'm here to reinstate your faith. I ran into Hugh Jackman who came into my cafe and I had a total full-blown meltdown. It was disgusting. I'm sobbing, crying. I'm sure there's snot coming out of my nose because I'm so worked up. And the man was divine. He gave me a hug, wanted to take a photo, wanted to hear about my life and what I was interested in. And we ended up chatting for about 20 minutes. And I also got to meet his daughter and chat to her for a while too. So to anyone who believes that (laughs) potentially celebrities have lost their touch with society not to worry there are good ones out there okay thank you so much again girls love what you do cheers if this isn't the story we needed to hear and who is surprised that it's Hugh Jackman that features first after our huge call out for celebrity run-ins by the way we got so many hotline messages so thank you for everybody who shared them but Brie, what a story. Yeah, and Hugh, what a man. I think particularly once you know that he would get that every day. Like he I would know. have people freaking out over him every single day and for decades into his career to still have the time to want to hear about Brie's life. Brie, I'm sure your life is incredible and amazing <laughs> and very, very interesting. But I find that really uplifting and like life-affirming. Oh, wow, I'm getting really I soppy know, and emotional about this. But it's really nice that someone like him would – be so kind. No, because I agree with you. It would happen to him more than once a day. I think mm. people would come close to him and be so adoring of him because people genuinely do love him. And I think the more stories like that make people love him even more, which is like this self-fulfilling prophecy because it's going to happen more and more. But what a guy, an Australian treasure. Speaking of Australian treasures, I think we've got another one on the line. This is from Natalie. Hi, guys. My name's Natalie. The biggest celebrity run-in I had and eye contact from a meter away was Kate Blanchett. I was at the Mornington Peninsula Hot Springs and I just saw this goddess, this glowing, beautiful woman. And I'm like, who is she? As soon as I realized, I was like, (gasps) out loud. And she just stared at me, laughed and smiled and nodded. And I couldn't believe it. I told my partner, he did not believe it at all. I told my family, no one believed me. Two weeks later in the new idea, there's paparazzi photos of her and her family trying to enjoy the Peninsula Hot Springs like a normal person and someone has taken photos. I just couldn't believe I had the proof to show. Anyway, guys, hope you're all well. Bye. I love that they tried to deny it. Like, I love that the family said it's absolutely not her. You're crazy for thinking that it is. And then Natalie was proven right by the paps. I feel a bit triggered. I feel a bit triggered (laughs) after what happened. (laughs) after my Graham Norton run in and the very lovely people did DM me and say you know what it probably was Graham Norton because they found old photos on his Twitter of him wearing a bicycle helmet another person got in touch and said it probably was Graham Norton because he lived near me and went to the supermarket a lot which I didn't quite understand the link as much but I know what it's like to be gaslighted about seeing a celebrity I also appreciated that Kate Blanchett clearly might be in the public pools at Mornington Peninsula Hot Springs. I love that is very common man of her it's and I absolutely common love man. that. 
Because I don't think the paps are getting into the private pools. No, God, the private pools are so expensive every time. I mean, this is so niche to Victoria. I know. <laughs> listeners only. For those unfamiliar, the hot springs are on our Mornington Peninsula, quite expensive. And if you're going to be going there, you're probably going to be in the common pools with everyone else. Like, I don't know. It's a little bit gross. It's a bit like sharing a spa bath with well, a million other strangers. You're, you're sharing water. And I think in 2020, you're not going to be sharing a hot spring with no. many people anymore. But for Kate Blanchett to seem like a common woman and go to the hot springs, I've got lots of respect for. Tell me, if you're going to snot cry over any celebrity, like if you're going to be the Brie where yeah. you're snot crying and losing your absolute shit over a celebrity, which celebrity is it? Well, I think it's like probably going to be – the most famous I can think. You know what? It'll probably be Meghan Markle or something. Really? I don't know. I you just do love Meghan Markle. And I just just seeing her, and I'd be like, "You've been through so much. I've always been in your corner." How's Baby Archie? How's Baby Archie? Yeah, okay. Meghan Markle or something. Okay. How about you? Oh, I think like a Beyonce. I because these guys yeah. like Brie and Natalie sounded like they were talking about these celebrities as if they were godlike figures. Beyonce is the only godlike figure. Taylor Swift's pretty godlike. Oh, actually, I scrap Beyonce. Miss Americana. Taylor Swift, I would fucking lose my mind, like the basic bitch that I am. Don't you think you'd try to be chill? I think I'd try to be chill so that they would remember me. This is a much bigger conversation, but... I think I'd be trying to be chill while my eyes were getting all, like, misty. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'd cry. I'd definitely cry if they all died. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like they always say, what celebrity would you cry about? Any of the ones we've mentioned. <laughs> anyway, shall we get from riches to rags, Michelle? Because I want to talk about one of the most brutal articles I've read in a very long time. Absolutely. I'm also touching wood that Taylor Swift, Beyonce and any other celebrity oh. aforementioned does not die. We're touching wood, don't worry. But yes, this article was one that we came across in the Daily Telegraph last week. It was beyond brutal. Zara, the Full headline was Riches to Rags, Aussie star who became a window cleaner. I was really blown away by this article. I was like very blown away when I was reading it because I was like, this is the most fucking brutal article I've read in so long. But then the longer I've pondered this article, this article makes no sense. So essentially what they've done is they've pulled all these former soap stars, former reality stars of the last 20 years and kind of done a where are they now except a far meaner version of where are they now because they're talking about riches to rags. And the reason it makes no sense is because these people all seem to be thriving far more now than they ever were on the Aussie small screen. That was a really weird detail that got me as well. The idea of riches to rags being relevant here when so many of these people have just gone on to like typical careers that don't involve neighbours, home and away or The Bachelor. And a lot of them are running their own businesses, which makes me think like they're probably on far more coin than they were before. And this is us taking a very monetary view of success. Mm. But I found the opening of this article fucking hilarious because it had the most brutal headline and then they tried to self-justify that success means very different things to many different people at the start. (laughs) Let me read. Riches to rags or rags to riches. It is all relative depending on your perception of success, how you look at someone's career and what they want from it. I'd just like to add that their perception of success is not relative. Here, Confidential takes a look at some familiar faces of Australian reality television, acting, music and the news to see what they did after they were famous. For some, they've completely moved on from the glitz and glamour of the red carpet and what the public thinks being a star is. So I love that so much because they're trying to be like, oh, we're not that bad people. We're just talking about what the perception of stardom is and what the perception of riches is before we're going to absolutely stick these people's faces on an article that says riches to rags. Do you know what this reads? 
creeps off to me as well. I remember when we worked in digital media for a hot minute. It was only a few years when we were in our very early 20s. There would be those days where there was sweet fuck all in the news cycle to talk about and you had to manufacture stories. This reeks of an editor sitting down at a table and going, we are dry on content. You guys need to pitch me some evergreen story ideas and someone coming up with this and being like, let's just trawl people's LinkedIn pages. Some of the shit that I churned out on slow news days was very much like let's look at this like celebrity's life and analyze their last 20 years there's no anchor there's no reason for it to exist other than it needs to fill a news web page well this is the thing that gets me right one of their examples was Reggie Bird, known for a former Tasmanian fish and chip shop worker who won Big Brother in 2003 scoring $250,000 prize money what she's doing now Mother of two children. <laughs> I'm like, if we're talking riches to rags, imagine telling almost the entire country that rags is parenting two children. And my favourite thing about this as well is it's not like she was buried deep within the listicle. She was relatively high up the top. Well, she was she, one of their first examples of riches to rags. I don't know if I should laugh or cry telling parents that just parent. And I think she has much more that she does anyway, but that's a rag story. <laughs> some of my other favourites in here were some real nostalgia ones. So Blake Garvey, for those who don't live in Australia, he is our, I would say, most infamous bachelor Zara. He famously proposed to Sam Frost in the finale only to break up with her a few weeks later and then get with one of his runner-ups, Louise Pillage. They did not last. Surprise, surprise. But he is now a real estate agent in Western Australia. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I think the other one that I really loved was Blair McDonoghue. He was obviously known because he was on Big Brother. Then he had a pretty successful career as a soap actor in Neighbours. And they're like, what he does now? He runs a construction business in Byron Bay. (laughs) Firstly... Love to live in Byron Bay. Secondly, how is this a rag story? That is a life glow up. Living in Byron Bay, instant life glow up. Running your own business. Construction company as well. I also loved this one. Katie Underwood, she's best known for being a girl band member in Bardo. Now, I think we can all agree the only real celebrity to come out of Bardo is Sophie Monk. She's the only one who thrived from that time. Katie Underwood is now a sound massage therapist and a meditation guide. That is another life glow up. If you gave me two lives where you go, you can be a member of Bardo, (laughs) crusty girl band that lasted maybe 12 months, or you can be a sound massage therapist and meditation guide. I fucking know what option I'm choosing. Why have you closed your eyes while you're talking about sound massage? What is it? Sound massage therapist. It just sounds lovely. What is a sound massage therapist? I don't know, but it sounds beautiful and tranquil and I want to do one. Yeah, no shit. Anyone who's listened to the first 20 minutes of this podcast would be like, of course, these two chaotic bitches need a sound massage and some meditation. (laughs) My last one that I want to mention, Mish, is Lorena Fleur, known (laughs) as someone that was on Blake Garvey's season of The Bachelor, who went on to complete I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. What's she doing now? Runs a fashion business. Yeah, Lorena Fleur's thriving as well. Lorena Lorena Fleur is just like every other former Bachelor (laughs) contestant who's actually leveraged their fame in a pretty good way and actually launched a business from it. God, let us all pray for every single person. There was probably, what, between 20 and 30 of them who woke (laughs) up and got a news alert that their name was in an article called Riches to Rags. That is fucking brutal and our hearts and souls go out to you all. Yeah, and it was the most nonsensical article ever, so props (laughs) to the journal. Coming up after the break, why the hell are we invested in the love lives of TikTokers? Then the Hillsong hype priest whose career came crashing down in flames. But first, a word from today's sponsor. Zara, I love doing my makeup, but reapplying over the course of the day to control my... 
And now it is time for the quick and dirty. As always, we bring you the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the pop culture news cycle. Mish, what have you got for me? My first story, Kaylee Kiwoko on sensitive sex scenes with Big Bang Theory ex Johnny Galecki. That is from news.com. I never quite got into Big Bang Theory, did you? I did, and I actually want to broach this with you before we get into the details of this particular Kaylee Kuoko and Johnny Galecki story. I think Big Bang Theory gets a pretty harsh rap. It is kind of regarded as like the nickelback of television shows, and I don't think it's fair. Like, I don't think the numbers add up either, that it was the most popular show for years. (laughs) I know. Millions upon millions of people watched it. I'm laughing because... You're probably right. I never watched it. I never gave it a shot. Where are all the fans? Where are they? I'm one. I'll put my hand up. Where are the other Big Bang Theory fans? I feel like producer Annabelle Lee liked Big Bang Theory. Either that or she just (laughs) has notoriously dorky taste. So I threw her onto your team. she's not here to even defend herself. No, she's got actually even worse. She's got to edit this part of the show. Hi, guys. It's me, Annabelle. Just here to quickly confirm that Zara was right. I was quite a big Big Bang Theory fan back in the show's prime. I mean, what's not to love? You know, it had a great laugh track, great punchlines. And yeah, Michelle, I back you 100%. And I will let you finish fighting the Big Bang Theory fight on behalf of the rest of us fans. So please go on. Let me tell everyone, my arms are wide open. If you too loved Big Bang Theory for a time, I didn't love the whole thing, but I definitely loved a few seasons and watched every episode. Welcome to my club. There's no shame in the Big Bang Theory game. I used to really love Everyone <laughs> Loves Raymond. <laughs> I had, like quite, I was quite partial to that show from time to time. One of the whitest shows on television oh, in the history I of television. all those sitcom shows, the whitest shows in the history of television. It wasn't the best. The 90s, we've certainly come a long way since those days, but Everybody Loves Raymond, impeccable I comedy at I times. Can't, I can't really remember what it was about, but I used to find myself not moving when it came on that and Frasier. <laughs> no, okay, no, I draw the line. Anyway, shall we go back to Kaylee Kuoko? <laughs> I draw the line of Frasier. Yes, this has come out this week because Kaylee Kuoko claimed that her Big Bang Theory bosses put her in some uncomfortable sex scene positions with her ex, Johnny Galecki, after they split. So she was speaking on Dax Shepard's Armchair Expert podcast, and this was the quote. We dated at the beginning of the show for almost two years. When we did the pilot, I was crushing so hard, but he had a girlfriend then eventually we got together and we were mad about each other for two years but then we broke up it was a little sensitive for a minute but I just remember Chuck Lorre the genius behind our show I remember those weeks where our characters would be jumping in bed with each other every other second Johnny and I talk about it and I think Chuck did that on purpose just to fuck with us if I was with him I would ask him because it came out of nowhere all of a sudden these characters were all up on each other how Awkward. I mean, that's one thing I always forget when it comes to acting is how intimate those scenes must be and how hard it must be for exes who broke up in the middle of the show. Like, Mm. remember, um, we were One Tree Hill fan. Yes. Yes. Of course. I think Chad Michael Murray and Sophia Bush dated for a time. Yeah. And I don't think she has many good things to say about him anymore. No. Also an armchair expert, by the way. <laughs> Apparently, Dax Shepard just gets all the goss on say, TV exes. Dax with all the scoops. Yeah, this would be very uncomfortable. I mean, what's the benefit, though, if you're Chuck Lorre putting them together in bed after they've split? Like, what, you're not getting the best out of your cast. I don't know. It's maybe, weird. Maybe you are. Like, maybe he's playing on some weird psychological thing that you'll always, like, yearn for your ex 
sexually. I don't know if that's a thing. <laughs> anyway. Moving right along, my second story, Bryce Hall shows off ripped shirtless body while leaving the gym with Addison Ray. That's from just Jared. So Zara, Bryce Hall and Addison Ray, two of the biggest TikTokers in the world. Yes, many a blind item online say that they are not actually properly together, but in a fake relationship to boost their profiles, which I would not be surprised about given we've got an entire article based off the fact they're leaving the gym together and Bryce Hall's not wearing a shirt. Yeah, so this has been quite a topsy-turvy relationship. Last year they were, I don't know, linked up, spoken about, kind of like spotted out together at dinners and stuff and people thought they might be an item. Earlier this year they denied it, said they were just friends. Then they were papped kissing. Then they broke up after a party when I think he was seen with another girl. I hate that I know all this because it's literally like 18-year-old drama, but I wish I was above it but I'm not. I'm not either. And I have newfound respect for Bryce Hall because when I was researching this story in January before they got back together, he tweeted that they weren't together and he said, Addison and I are not dating. (laughs) Not in capitals. She's doing her own thing and I'm doing mine. We're still friends and plan to remain that way. I still love her and we're going to hang and stuff, but we're just not going to be kissy kissy anymore. (laughs) Did he actually say kissy kissy? I I shit you the fuck not. You and Bryce Hall share a catchphrase. I know. We're just not going to be kissy kissy anymore. that's not the 17-year-old way to publicly break up with someone. I don't know what is. Maybe your kindred spirits. I was a bit taken aback to see that in print, to be totally <laughs> honest with you. I don't know anyone else who says kissy kissy apart from Zara I, McDonald. And I literally only said it once. It's not like a catchphrase. Do you think that we're too old to care? Like, no. I, I've always thought in myself, like, I'll grow out of this. This weird interest I have in random celebrity and influencer dating lives and, like, secret romances. I'll grow out of it. I'm not going to always care. I'm not going to always click on the articles. Here I am entering my late 20s and I care more than ever. What is it about me that means I still care about these people? I watch every video they post. I not only watch every video they posted, I went on Addison's profile, saw she was still with Bryce Hall or that they had like reconnected and then read a bunch of articles about it on Seventeen magazine. I'm in my late 20s almost and I'm still doing this. I know. I don't think you ever go out of it. You'll probably be 60 and there'll be a new app called Mickmock. <laughs> Remember the time I called it Tic Tac? <laughs> I'm a TikToker now. I haven't done one in a while. Anyway, I don't know why I dropped that. Follow me. Zara McDonald Zero. <laughs> Aren't you Zara McDonald? I don't know. <laughs> Third story. Will Euphoria become a shoppable show? That is from Vogue. I don't know what this story is. I don't know why you stopped talking. This okay. is yours. I care about this because Euphoria is probably the most talked about pop culture show of the moment. We all know that Zendaya's career has absolutely taken flight since being involved in Euphoria and a bunch of other productions as well, but Euphoria has been really seminal in her career. I find it interesting that Euphoria has been renewed for another season and when the costume designer behind the show, Heidi Bivens, did an interview this week, she introduced a brand new concept we've never seen before in television. This was her quote. A shoppable show has never really been done before, at least that I know of. It's almost like seeing something on the screen and being able to purchase it is the new experiential shopping. Barney's and opening ceremony of the world are no more. We have less opportunity to walk into a store and whether it's because of a pandemic or the state of the fashion industry, this could be a new time of experience. So basically the show will make revenue by dressing its cast in easily accessible clothing and then directly after those episodes go live there will be an easy link or a social media profile or some kind of interactive platform where you can shop their outfits 
I don't, I mean, I don't mind it for a user experience. I mean, how annoying is it when you're watching a show and you like a piece of clothing yeah. and you don't know where to find it? I think it would be even better if it was like... Here we go. <laughs> sorry. The kilometre of no, shows. Sorry. I don't know where I've got this idea ego from. <laughs> Why um, do you suddenly think you're like a tech entrepreneur? I don't, I don't know. But you know on Instagram when you click on an item and it comes up exactly what the item's called, the price, and you can mm. click right through to the link to the store. I find mm. that incredibly useful as someone who loves clothes. Imagine if it was like that on Netflix. You could pause, hover over the outfit, and then take the link straight there. I do like it, but then what if you're like, do you have to pause the show? Yeah. So you, you can mm, pause a show. But if you're watching it with someone, imagine your boyfriend, if you're like, one sec, I really like this skirt. You reckon that's the most annoying thing you do? <laughs> yeah, other than that, I'm flawless. <laughs> this is cool though. This is an idea that was originally, or at least I've seen it on Love Island UK to a certain extent, where on Love yeah. Island UK, particularly in the finale episodes, I think it's only the finale episode actually, they'll dress the women in entirely one boutique's clothing. I think it was Pretty Little Thing I think actually it was in the Pretty UK. Little Thing, yeah. Yeah, and then directly after, Pretty Little Thing would have an ad saying, if you loved what Molly Mae was wearing on this episode, go shop her look on Pretty Little Thing. So I think we've seen like the embryonic stages of this kind of monetization of a show, but I am excited for this. It would make my shopping addiction slightly easier. I know, and slightly more extreme. Unfortunately. My fourth story, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here 2021. First promo for new season drops. That is from news.com.au. So I've heard rumours that Pete Evans could be a front runner to be on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, and I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, not great. Because you're putting him in a jungle, and I think what you know about I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here is that these celebrities go into a jungle and have relatively unfiltered conversations about their, and it's usually about their lives, Mm. you know, what's going on in their personal lives or things that they've been through in their lives, trauma perhaps. But I worry you'd get someone like Pete Evans who would have this ability to go completely unfiltered and say whatever he wants to say about things that aren't based in science or fact. Sorry to get quite serious very quickly. I'm not – don't (laughs) apologise. It's so fine. That's what we're here for. I am not concerned about that. I'm concerned about Channel 10 really humanising and making us feel sympathetic and making us kind of like adopt Pete Evans – as an icon, like a cult-like icon that we suddenly love. And I'm worried about that given that I do think his messaging is so dangerous. I don't think Channel 10 would be dumb enough to put out medical misinformation on their platform. What if it got a headline? Mm, I don't think that – I genuinely don't think they would in a way that wasn't debunked. I think if they were going to do that, they'd then have Dr Chris Brown come on and give like a a sassy retort or they'd have like some kind of footage of contestants coming back at him. Yeah, it would be for tension, but I don't think they would just put it up as fact. I worry that they would just grow his profile in a way that I don't think is healthy for the Australian public. Yeah, well, it's interesting. We know that people who tend to go in this show is not always, but often have some sort of redemption story arc. You see it very much with SES Australia. The people mm. that went on that show sort of had something they wanted to gain in terms of public reputation. And I think the same thing is true with I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So it would be very interesting if they put Pete Evans on the screen. I don't think we'll have to wait that long. No. Well, host Julia Morris did say on the radio last week, I saw the rumours in the paper and I said, please, let that be true because that would actually make my year then over on Kyle and Jackie O's show she said that there would be a number of celebrities with different (sighs) schools of 
thought. Just to argue against myself for a second, why do I feel the need to censor people that I don't agree with? Like I think he's dangerous and stuff, but maybe light is the best disinfectant. And people like us saying, don't give him a platform, don't let him out there, only feeds the 5G conspiracy theorists who think that there's some kind of greater agenda at play and we're silencing their mob. Oh, see, for me, I just feel like it's such a cop-out, to be totally honest with you. That argument that like, who am I to say we shouldn't give him a platform? Maybe that just makes this cause louder. I fundamentally disagree Mm. that putting someone on a stage is not going to make that audience louder Mm. and that kind of community louder. I just, I just get frustrated because it's like, I don't think everybody deserves a platform. And yes, I do believe that people like us can turn around and say, some people shouldn't say the things that they're saying on a public level, Mm. on a public stage. Do call the hotline about this one. Do you think it is safe for Pete Evans to go on I'm a Celebrity? Do you think Channel 10 should have any kind of responsibility when it comes Mm. to the celebrities that they're platforming? Please call us and tell us your thoughts. We're really interested to hear them. My fifth and final story for today's and dirty Netflix review <laughs> Netflix renews Emily in Paris <laughs> no say it properly <laughs> Emily in Paris with terrible tweet and people are pissed that is from the brag okay so for those who missed it we did post it on our Instagram though Netflix originally announced that Emily in Paris was coming back at the start with a, a such a kitsch letter <laughs> from Savoir, which for those who haven't watched the show is the marketing agency that Emily was working for in Paris where everybody hated her, but suddenly they're asking for her back. And so Netflix announces it with that letter, but that kitsch letter wasn't the problem. It was the fact <laughs> that they wrote... Friendly reminder, Emily in Paris is supposed to be pronounced with a French accent, so Emily and Paris rhyme. There was some incredible commentary online about this. So Patrick Lenton of Junkie, I didn't mind this one, he just wrote the French pronunciation is Emily in Paris Emily. <laughs> but I genuinely looked at that and I was like, Oh my god! I took me too long to did get it. Did you say Emily in Paris? No, but I did see. I did see people <laughs> say that it's obviously meant to be Emily in Paris, <laughs> but I just think it's like not true. How many public conversations have we had about this show? Mm. Calling it Emily in Paris. Other people have called it Emily in Paris. They just want to turn around <laughs> two months later and say you were all saying it wrong. Also, I'm sorry, but you're a bit of a wanker. Unless you're French and you 100%. have a French accent, go ahead, pronounce it however you like. You can do whatever you want. But if you are a straight Australian and you were going around saying I've really binge watched Emily in Paris on Netflix <laughs> no what about if it was Emily in Ibiza would you say Ibiza <laughs> or Ibiza <laughs> that's a spin-off for them I did see another really good tweet from Ryan Beckwith which said your Emily in Paris name is your first name plus a city that somewhat vaguely rhymes with it I'm Ryan in Lyon <laughs> And I have been like, what is a city? I read that as Ryan in Lion. I'm like, that does rhyme. In Leon. Okay, wait, let me find. That is <laughs> The only thing I have is <laughs> Zara in Canada. <laughs> That's not even a city. <laughs> it just finishes with an A. Yeah, well, whatever. Emily in Paris doesn't rhyme. What's yours? Michelle. Michelle in... <laughs> Someone probably listening to this who has it straight away. What about what about Michelle in Montreal? <laughs> Montreal, Michelle in Montreal. That's actually no not one bad. says Montreal. Yes, they do, don't they? Montreal. Oh yeah, they do say Montreal. <laughs> Michelle in Montreal. Well, this is exactly the point because they only half rhyme, and that's where we wanted to go. <laughs> is that all you've got for me? That is all I've got. Thank you, next bitch. Did you hear the one about the celebrity pastor sacked for having an extramarital affair? 
Ah, uh, yes, such is the fate of Hillsong's Carl Lentz this week, better known as Justin Bieber's favourite former, I think, pastor, who was sacked from the well-known celebrity church for, at his own admission, having an affair with a New York fashion designer. The story has sent us into a bit of a spiral, asking questions like, what exactly does a celebrity pastor do? Why was his poor wife fired too? And how has the Hillsong Church managed what most organised religions have not, appealing to a young celebrity demographic by likening church to a rock concert. Mish, let's start with Carl Lentz. Had you heard much about him before his mug was all over the news this week? The only kind of memory that was triggered when I heard his name and saw his face all over my newsfeed was that this is the guy who kind of saved Justin Bieber. Yes. In that when Justin Bieber had that very famous arrogant spiral I don't know how else to word it he had an arrogance problem and he grew too big for his boots I would say yeah I mean he did one of the most insulting things in the world which was go to Disneyland in a wheelchair to try and skip the line which if you don't laugh you'll cry that is so fucked and so offensive on so many levels but you're right he did do that amongst many many other things I think he also was up on like animal abuse allegations after he adopted a monkey that he was not allowed to have and then he abandoned the monkey. None of it's funny and all of it is bad. Anyway, so Justin Bieber actually lived with Carl Lentz for a few months in 2014 to be salvaged and to reconnect with Christ. If you're not familiar, Carl Lentz, of course, is involved with the Hillsong Church. He was really seminal in taking the church from Australia. It was founded in Sydney and making it mainstream over in the US. He is obviously a devout Christian. He and his wife, Laura, have been married since 2003. They have three children together and he has come undone because he cheated on the lovely Laura. Exactly. So you're right. He's been with his wife for, I think, married for 17 years. And he did head up the east coast of America's Hillsong Church, which was a huge part of their church. It's absolutely exploded since it moved to the US. He was actually, Mish, you'll find this interesting, Carl Lentz was named in Esquire's 37 people under 35 who are race shaping <laughs> the world, which makes me think there was meant to be 35 under 35 but two people snuck in. Anyway, he was named on this list alongside Channing Tatum, Ezra Klein, who founded Vox Media, Laverne Cox, LeBron James, Lena Dunham, the founders of Instagram. And I bet Carl Lentz <laughs> came in at 36 or 37. He has been described by GQ as a hype priest. I don't actually know what that even means. And ABC <laughs> has referred to him as a hipster heartthrob. Now, initially what happened in this story is that the head of the Hillsong Church, Brian Houston, who is actually Australian, he started, as Mish said, the church in Sydney, just put out a statement saying that Carl Lentz was fired because of ambiguous moral failings. He actually came out himself and said, you know what? I I, fucked up. (laughs) I fucked up. I had an affair. Paraphrasing. Genuinely. And the more I've dug into Carl Lentz, the more intrigued I have been. Mm, Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the way the New York Post put it this week. They ran their article with the lead, this shepherd strayed from his flock and his paramour says, ye shall know the truth. So this is what he wrote on his own Instagram. When you lead out of an empty place, you make choices that have real and painful consequences. I was unfaithful in my marriage, the most important relationship in my life and held accountable for that. This failure is on me and me alone and I take full responsibility for my actions. 
What I find very interesting about this, Mish, is that I read an article in The Cut and they said that Laura, his wife, the wife that he has cheated on, may well be punished for her actions because she has also been a pastor at Hillsong and according to The Sun, Houston, Brian Houston, the head of Hillsong, fired her too because apparently, and this is just a tabloid source talking to The Sun, if a married couple both work at the church and one of them is terminated, they both will be fired immediately. If that is true, that's pretty wild. Imagine having your husband cheat on you and then you lose your job too. And then it also being on every major media publication in the Western world. Like Laura Lentz has not had a good week by any stretch of the imagination, but you're right. Hillsong did take down her pastor profile. They have like pages for each of their pastors on their website. They have taken down both Laura's page and her husband Carl's page this week. So this has gone like pretty out there as well, particularly given the fact that the other woman who goes by the name Renin came out and gave some quotes that really twisted the knife in the back of Laura Lentz. Like I couldn't believe some of these quotes that Renin gave. She said that yes, they were engaged in an affair for many, many months, but it wasn't just sexual and it wasn't just emotional Zara. It was a deep love connection affair. This is the quote. He loves me and I love him. It was a love relationship that wasn't planned. It wasn't just a fling or just a sexual relationship. I wasn't there for just sex. We both found comfort and a deep, special connection with each other. That's a twisted knife on double revolution. Yeah, there's like two knives going into Laura Lentz's back. That is so fucked for you to find out your husband's cheated on you and then for the other woman to go to the tabloids and say didn't just cheat we're madly in love with each other we have a deep special connection some of the other quotes were pretty interesting she said that they were like each other's drug that they couldn't stay away from each other Mm. she also said i kept walking away but he never knew how to say bye which sounds like (laughs) a Kelly clarkson lyric she also said all of his messages are linked from the iCloud. So it was Laura Lentz that actually found out about this affair because the messages weren't deleted. She went on to say he's not a really good cheater, which just, I mean, another knife into Carl Lentz's back. I'm not sure I'm super concerned about Carl Lentz right now. I did, though, the more I've been reading into Lentz, the more I am really intrigued by the celebrity connections around him and this church, but particularly him and Laura. Like, apparently him and Justin Bieber and Hayley Bieber have been very close for a very long time. And the Beavers have reportedly unfollowed both of them Mm -hmm. on Instagram in the last week. According to The Cut as well, have you read the story of Justin Bieber's baptism with Carl Lentz? Wasn't it in a famous person's bathtub? It was in (laughs) NBA player Tyson Chandler's bathtub in 2014. So apparently Justin Bieber, this is, there's a really great article that I will put in our show notes that was a profile of Hillsong and Carl Lentz written back in 2015, I think, by Taffy Brodessa Ackner, who was one of the best writers that we read. And she wrote the story about how Justin Bieber was baptised and Carl Lentz told Taffy Brodessa Ackner that originally they wanted to baptise him straight away. Justin Bieber was having like this, mini breakdown and he was like I need to be baptized right now it's the middle of the night so they tried to go to this pool where they usually get baptized and someone had tipped off the media so everyone was there then they tried to go to someone else's pool they tried to go to Tyson Chandler's personal pool but apparently it was closed so Tyson Chandler's like how about my bathtub and they all just congregated in the bathtub and Carl Lentz baptized Justin Bieber there sorry for my tangent but I thought it was a good story that is a great story and also I think it's important for us to also note that If you are Christian or if you are religious, this is absolutely not a reflection of you. Like if we are finding this funny or if we're giggling, 
I have people in my family who are incredibly religious who mean the world to me and I love that we can all have different stances on religion and spirituality. So it's absolutely not a reflection on that. But what I find interesting about this and Hillsong is the intersection of religion and spirituality and faith with like big business and influencing and celebrity and the paparazzi and how it's all just kind of meshed into this weird blob where I truly don't know what to make of Hillsong. Like we're not just talking about a church. We are talking about a church that has over 2.7 million followers. We're talking about Carl Lentz, a man with 700,000 Instagram followers. We're talking about a yearly revenue intake of reportedly over $170 million around the world per year. It is such an interesting phenomenon because I, I definitely agree with you. I have people in my life who are deeply religious and I respect religion very much at an individual level. I think I respect a lot how much both religion and spirituality can give an individual. Institutions of religion, I think absolutely need to be looked at, particularly ones like this that operate on such a huge revenue scale mm. and especially operating on a place where they don't pay any tax. Like Hillsong doesn't pay any tax in Australia as far as I'm concerned and they have pulled in in 2014 according to the Sydney Morning Herald, pulled in $80 million. It's a pretty huge tax-free revenue. Yeah, and I feel like Hillsong had gone over my head for so long. Like I I vaguely knew that they were founded in Australia, but I didn't really know many of the details. It's so interesting to me that this was founded in the suburbs of Sydney in 1983. And now it is one of the most star-studded churches around the world. Probably the most star-studded, unless we're talking about maybe the Church of Scientology or oh, the true. Lighthouse or something along those lines. But Hillsong definitely has this clout, like this social influencer clout. When I was looking back at the history of it, though, it hasn't always been that way. It seems that when it moved into the US, it had this real brand overhaul and somehow they made it so cool. But in 2007 and 2009, it was being pulled into headlines on Today Tonight about rigging the votes on Australian Idol. Like there were all these rumours back in the day that Hillsong rigged various seasons of Australian Idol so that the most prominent Christian singers would win year after year. And it started from Guy Sebastian, who then went on to have links with Hillsong. I find it so I interesting. I did not know that. That is incredibly interesting. Matt Corby as well. Apparently Matt Corby at the time was linked to the church and apparently they stacked the votes, or that is the allegation, to get him as far in the show as possible as PR for Hillsong. And here was I thinking that my <laughs> thousands of text messages writing in, Matt Corby had some sort of impact <laughs> back in the day. There was a really great quote in that GQ piece by Taffy Brodessa-Ackner where Pastor Carl Lentz told Taffy, people say we cater to celebrities and I say, yes, we do. Celebrities deserve a relationship with God. Celebrities deserve a place to pray. Mm. So they have clearly built, at least Carl has in his wing of the church that he's in charge of, has tried to build out a church that is a safe space for celebrities that I don't think anybody else has done. It's just a very interesting thing to look on, especially now that Carl Lentz is kind of a celebrity in his own right. I will say though, the church, like a lot of huge institutions of religion, is not without its muddiness. Mm. It is very publicly anti-gay. I don't know if you remember, Mish, when Chris Pratt spoke publicly about his love for the church and his love for Hillsong. Ellen Page came out and said that the church itself was infamously anti-LGBTQ and he had to come back out and, you know, defend his own church. But that did cause a huge stir from people saying to Chris Pratt, why are you publicly endorsing a church that is so 
infamously anti-LGBTIQ. Yeah, and the founders of Hillsong have come out and said that while they welcome gay people into their church, it very much seems from a perspective of we're going to try and push you towards the light. They've also said that if any of their employees were gay, they would be fired and they would not knowingly hire anyone who belongs to the LGBTIQ community, which is obviously disgusting. I found a quote from Laura Turner. She wrote a piece on Hillsong for Vox last year, really interesting. She wrote, these pastors, all straight white men, have become religious versions of influencers with their hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram. Their social media feeds are heavy on post selfies and promotional products urging their followers to buy their friends' books. It's sometimes hard to realise they're pastors at all. Many seemingly progressive churches seem only so because they are young. Their theology is actually fairly conservative, but it dresses up in leather leggings and cool hats. When it comes time to dig beneath the surface, what you'll find isn't all bad, but it isn't much more forward thinking than the churches our parents grew up in. How interesting is that? And I think one thing that I wanted to finish on, I mean, Carl Lentz had an affair and clearly preaches the opposite and lost his job. But it is worth noting that Hillsong's founder, Brian Houston, was investigated by a Royal Commission into institutional responses to child sexual abuse back in the early 2000s because his father, Frank, admitted to sexually abusing a boy and Brian knew and never reported it to police. And yet he stays the head of this church, but one of his own pastors who's had an affair can't stay any longer. It is an interesting dichotomy. For sure. If you guys are curious, some of the other celebrities that are tied to Hillsong go beyond Justin Bieber to Chris Pratt, of course, mentioned before, the Kardashian sisters, Kevin Durant, Vanessa Hudgens and Nick Jonas. One quote that I do really think says so much was from Carl Lentz before he was fired, of course. I think this speaks to how Hillsong has become something more than just a church. It's become a cultural movement and a pretty cool one at that, despite all the odds. He said a little bit ago, we don't use the word religion because it's hard to get people excited about religion. Religion has no power, but a relationship with God is a superpower. I think playing on that relationship dynamic by saying, I am have a relationship with God. I don't belong to a religion. This is a spiritual connection. It's one I feel person to person. It's an individual level thing. I think that ties in directly with the power of Hillsong and why this is spoken to so many people. Religion isn't so sexy in our no. generation, but well, this is. Well, it reminds me a lot of the conversation that we had a little while ago about astrology and mm. astrology very much, not, not, not that I'm directly comparing religion with astrology, but it very much feels like young people still need an outlet for spirituality or to think about the world in a much deeper kind of more spiritual way but don't want to connect with institutions of religion so I find it very interesting and I don't think it's any coincidence that something like Hillsong is just as popular as things like astrology are yeah what are your experiences at the Hillsong church have you guys spotted a celeb I mean this would just be the perfect hotline message <laughs> have you had a celebrity sighting or a celebrity run-in at Hillsong. Let's try and make it happen. Surely someone out there has something. So we'll probably send you a prize if you've got one, but don't make it up. Don't make it up just for the hotline. Hey guys, I think that is all we've got time for today. Thank you so much. As always, like we said earlier in the show, our Christmas gift guide will be live at some point today. We'll have it all over our socials, so I promise you, you will not miss it. As always, if you want to support Shameless, please do follow us on Spotify or tell your friends about the show. That is the main way we spread the word word and how we grow every single week so we'd so appreciate you doing that other than that keep up to date with us on instagram at shameless podcast or tiktok guys we oh, had a yeah. tiktok video get like nineteen thousand likes and now i'm hooked on tiktok it's like <laughs> the adrenaline rush and the endorphin release that i just keep chasing now yeah, come find us on tiktok we'll try to post stuff that's not too cringe but probably <laughs> is very cringe we'll see you guys on thursday bye <laughs>
Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish. Style-ish, if you want to say it quickly. Style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse. If you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.